0: Gassaway, West Virginia. I'm John Sandy. My wife is not able to be with us today, so I'm going to, I'm on my own today. We're glad to have people with us. Um, If you're watching online live or on delay, we always say you're right on time, and God is not stuck by times. I, I listen to people preach, and it's on delay, but God's present on a delay. You can claim God's promises, whether it's pre-recorded or not. Otherwise, how can we stand on the Bible? That's kind of pre-recorded, isn't it? (laughs) God's love letter. So we're glad to have you with us. We are on part two on being a first responder. And those that were with us will remember that we opened up with talking about different things about our first responder is in this world, like a policeman, a fireman, paramedic, doctor's how they are first responders and the characteristics of a first responder. And then I characterize it in ways of Scripture, which we'll get into again a little bit more, on how spiritually we are first responders and how we're supposed to be first responders. Now, a first responder knows how to wait. They, it's very active. They're training. They're cleaning down their equipment. They're checking their uniforms, making sure everything works right. Because when they are called, they are ready to respond instantly. And that's the way we are in the church. We're supposed to be first responders for Jesus Christ. Always ready at any given moment to be used of God. Excited about it. On the edge of our seat. Very active in preparing and walking with God. And what I'd like to do is before I get into a scripture now, Andy, I don't have these two scriptures for you. And you might still be able to pull them up I want to talk a little bit about the armor of God now first responder and I'll tell you ahead then, Andy so you can go ahead if you want to pull that up uh, the scripture I'm going to use to open with that I didn't have in the notes that I sent you um, let me pull them up here for you um, 1 Corinthians 13 1 and 2 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. So there's that one. And then Ephesians 6, 10, if you want to mark those down. Okay, so a first responder wears proper equipment. We know that the tools they work with are part of their job. Their dress tells everybody around them what authority they have. When I walk in, if I was a paramedic and I walked into a scene where there was an accident, the police may already be there. They know me by my badge, they know me by my uniform, and they open the door to let me in. Why? Because my uniform tells them that I now have authority. As Christians, we need to have authority in life. So, we are called to put on an Ephesians 6, we're called to put on the armor of God. In fact, what does he say? Put on the whole armor of God. If you're going to wear half-dressed, if you're going to wear an forgotten you have two different colored shoes on. I did that just the other day. And my wife had to bring it to my attention far too late. But yes, she did bring it to my attention. I had two different they were different they were same style of shoe, but they were slightly different in color and I just slipped them on without thinking and there it was. So, God wants us to be have on the full armor, the whole armor of God. Now, each part of your armor represents part of our task that we are training for. Now, remember, when you put on the armor of God, you're putting on God's clothes. Isn't that awesome? You're putting on God's clothes. You're not, you're not representing yourself anymore. You're now representing someone else, and that is your God. If I go as a paramedic, I represent the organization that I trained for. And the authority in, this, in the government that I work under. I represent them, not myself. My name is Jerry. It doesn't matter if my name's Jerry. If you're dying, you need someone that's trained to help you. No longer is my name that necessary. But the badge I wear is what's necessary at that moment. Now, in my personal life, that's different. So we put on the whole armor of God, it says. And it goes on to tell us that we need to stand once we put it on. And we're going to talk about that for just a minute. So when we go to work for God, we are called to be responders, but we're also called as Christians to take authority. Authority comes from being prepared. Authority comes from knowing who trains you. Your authority comes from knowing who to respond to if I have any questions. You always go to someone that's higher up that can help you, or maybe you haven't been where they've been. Experience is incredible when it comes to to being a first responder. The more experience you have, the quicker you can respond to certain needs. So we stand before God with our full armor on, and now we are called to follow the facts not opinion someone walking up to me telling me how I should fix something that has never done it you've heard you've seen the commercial the guy says he's in a surgeon's he's in an operating room and he's getting ready to do surgery and the guy says are you a surgeon he said no but I stayed at a holiday inn last night you all remember those commercials all of a sudden he felt good about himself You know, he didn't know a thing he was doing, but he felt good about himself, so he he was qualified on that basis. That's not good enough in the kingdom. You and I need to become prepared. The greatest thing will ever be is available. And you can't be available without putting on God's clothes and hiding yourself in him. I heard someone say the other day that he put on the whole armor, and God said, I want you now to drop your face shield. What? Drop your face shield. So spiritually he dropped his face shield. Now the devil didn't know who was in the uniform. See when the devil sees you, he should see God first. And when he sees God, he's going to yield to that authority because now you've yielded your authority to him so now when you speak, you speak with his authority. And what would that do? Move mountains. Change lives. Turn us around make other people available to go to battle one day, because they've now been under the general. That's been under the head general. God is our authority. So, as we put on the armor, remember that we are putting on God's clothes. This is really important, because it's not about us. It's for us. It's not about you. It's not about what people think of you. It's not about what people like or dislike about you. It's about what do they think of Jesus. Whenever I wrote the, the uh, obituary for our precious sister Kathy that passed away a few couple weeks ago, here's what I wrote in her obituary. She was mentally handicapped. She never gone to, uh, didn't have a college degree or a high school degree, but she graduated from uh, the University of Childlike Faith. And she had one question on her test before she went home. And this was the question that God asked her. Who do you say that Jesus is? (laughs) Who do you say that Jesus is? And she passed the test, and the answer was very clear and precise that even a child could understand. See, folks, we're not out competing with each other in the kingdom. We're out to help each other to be at the right place at the right time, saying the right things to the right people, so that whenever God says go, you go. When when God created the universe, when he he spoke the sun and the light into existence, the, the translation says he said light be. He didn't ask Permission. He didn't say, would it be a good idea? Would you mind? No. When God speaks, he says, light be in everything in our life. But we've got to be clothed in his righteousness, not our own. So let's break down the armor of God for just a moment here. The helmet of salvation. You can get saved but not walk with God. You can put on the breastplate of righteousness and get caught up in selfishness righteousness. You can have the sword of the Spirit. You can memorize the Word but not even know what it says because you've never applied it to your life. You've never walked in that light. Hallelujah. You could put on the shoes for the preparation of the gospel of peace and bring great turmoil to your country, to your town, to your church, through your tongue alone. See, that the helmet of salvation doesn't cover your senses. It covers your mind, and you take those things captive. The Bible says take every thought captive. That's the good stuff, too. Take the good thoughts captive and the bad thoughts, then filter through the ones that need to get through and push away the rest. You're not responsible for a thought that comes to your mind, but you are responsible for what you do with it. Once you've had a thought for about two or three seconds, now you own it you got to resist. That's why the Bible tells us to flee from the appearance of evil. If you never drink, you will never get drunk. That's fleeing from the appearance. Now, I'm not going to get on someone that drinks wine. No, I'm not. I'm not getting legalistic. That's not my point. My point, my illustration is this. Whenever you sense something coming at you, let me give an example. What kind of people do you hang around? you hang around someone that doesn't walk, which they're not looking for what you're looking for, then you need to get on a different path. Because I promise you, most of the time, if you put a Christian with a non-believer, a non-believer will win out. They say that seven out of ten Christian young people that get to college lose their salvation. Seven out of ten once they get to college. Because they're teaching them humanism and godliness Marxism, Soviet, they're, t- they're teaching all of this to our kids. And look what they're doing in our grade schools now. So you and I need to get ready for battle. It's time for the church to not only put on the, the, breast, the, helmet, of, the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit and all these things, but the shield of faith. The Bible says to lift it. it doesn't say get the shield of faith. It says lift it. If you don't lift your faith up, you'll not resist one fiery dart. You've got to do it. You've got to keep it up. And as I mentioned in Psalm 91, it talks about the buttress. A buttress is a small shield, real small. It goes on the arm. The difference in a shield of faith and the buttress is that the buttress is designed for all offensive weapons. It's an attack weapon. So once you establish your faith, you establish your ground, you do what the Bible says to stand and do all you know to do to stand, then stand, now you put this one on. Now you've claimed your territory, you've got your ground, now you go on the elephant. We we are so apologetic as Christians. We are as weak as can be. We're so afraid we're going to offend someone, and yes, we need to use wisdom. We need great wisdom. But, folks, we've gotten to the point where we're just almost apologizing that we know Jesus in the way we act. We're called to take territory. We're not called to simply, listen to what I'm going to say here. We're not just called to raise our children in a Christian home. We're supposed to get out into the highways and byways, the school system, and everywhere else and say, this will not stand here. I'm taking that territory. No more are you going to tell me what I do with my children. No more are you going to tell? You know what? I've said this before. You'll know you're on the right track of believing in healing when you get ticked off when he attacks you. We're to have a righteous anger. Twice Jesus went into the temple and drove him out with a whip, and he made the whip. Do you think he had time to think while he was knitting that thing? Yeah, he had time to think about it. He knew exactly, he was in full control of his faculties when he went in. He knew exactly why he was going in, and he knew his authority. He said, I only do what I see my father do, so he didn't operate in his own authority. We got a chance to see what God's like. Isn't that exciting? We serve an awesome God. He has the best for those who lead the choice to him. He has everything set up for you, whatever you need. He has already prepared it, as I mentioned in Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16, He's written your life down in a book before you were formed. He's not caught off guard by anything. He's not surprised you have certain gifts. He's not surprised. He's given you his DNA. And if you let him, everything you touch will leave his DNA. And that's what we're called to do. Take territory. You can put on the whole armor of God and still not perform or operate well in it. We must know our authority. We're not going to have victory. We're not going to... I rewrote this wrong, sorry. We are not going to a victory, but we are coming from it. We are, when you are claiming healing, and we, there's many people like this, you don't go to a healing. You, you don't go to victory. You come from victory. You don't, you don't take sickness and look for healing. You are healed resisting sickness. Now, that's a whole different concept. If we we were to grasp this, that any time you get sick or anything comes after you, mentally, physically, financially, doesn't matter what it is. If you knew, if you had the revelation that as soon as you're saved, you had the same spirit that Christ has, he says, as I am, so are you in this world. When you do that, when you get the revelation that as soon as you're saved, you are perfect. Let's say you have a bum knee. Your spirit has a clean and healthy knee. It's right here. You have a healthy body in you. You are not looking for healing. You are not going to a victory. You're coming from a victory. And you're walking in that, and you're taking authority. You got on the armor, you are walking in Him, and now you're ready for your assignment. And what do you do while you're waiting? You're watching. You're a man on the tower, you're watching. Where do I go? What do I do? What do you want me to say? And constantly God is using you no matter, you go to the grocery store, you can take your dog to the groomers, you can go, and before you know it, because your antenna's up, we talk about this, you you get an opportunity to share Christ with great wisdom, you know the right words to say. Don't ever get a pat question for people when you witness. Don't ever have something all written out. One of the worst things you can do in your prayer life is to have a list, Because what happens is God gets bored before you do. I heard a man of God say, Lord, I just dread prayer time at 8 or 7 o'clock because he was in his rituals of praying so many hours in his prayer language and his list and all this stuff. And God says, well, I I start getting bored at 6.30. God wants a fresh relationship. If you sense anything stale in your life as a Christian, Find out what God wants to change, because that means something needs to be changed, replaced, or removed if you feel stale. If church becomes ho-hum to you and you don't look forward to it, well, one thing that's probably happening is, is that God's not working. We have Brother L.A. here and his wife Linda last week and spoke, and when it was all said and done, he God helped him so wonderfully. John said, this is the way every church service should be. And if it was, you know what? We couldn't wait to get here. We want God, what are you going to do today? We've been praying for Jerry over here. Is this his day? Lord, it's his. Can he get it? Lord, are you going to give me a word for someone today? Are you going to operate in the spirit and realm in my life and my gifts? Or is someone going to have a word for me that I don't expect happen to me? Last week, I said to, to L.A. on a, a text one day, I said, if God ever speaks to you concerning me, let me know. That was weeks ago. And when he called Peter 40, he wanted us to come to the altar. I wasn't thinking of the thing. I walked up to the altar, and he grabbed me and started praying over me. I didn't do that. I didn't work that out. That was the gift of the Spirit, the operation of the, the, the gifts within him at that moment, and he ministered to many people. God is wanting us as a church, to grow up. Folks, we've been on milk way too long. We got so much exposure to the gospel. I listen to hours of messages a week. Hours. Just on messages alone. Hours. Trying to feed my spirit with a, a, a person that has the same spirit as I have. Not everybody has the same spirit you have. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You can go to church and find all kinds of spirits. All kinds. L.A. told me a story about how God had him lay hands on a woman that he was speaking on wolves in the church, and he would lay hands on her and said, she may be your wolf. He didn't know that. She went right to the altar, changed her life. God spoke prophetically through him. Is that not exciting when the, do you get excited when the gifts are in operation? Do you get excited when someone gets help? Are you excited whenever God answers a prayer for someone because you know He's not a respecter of persons and what yours is also mine? One of the greatest things you can do to receive from God is to get excited about someone else. So the best things you can do is to lose yourself and what God's doing for someone else and be so thrilled that you forget what your problem was. That's what happens. This is where we're supposed to be. This church, as I said, is going to grow when we grow. When we get serious about the gospel and stop worrying about what people think in, in a certain way, we want to use wisdom. We want to be kind and we want to be gentle and loving. And we're going to talk about love because that's exactly what I want to get into today in opening up today. So, in order to put on the whole armor, you got to realize you're putting on God's clothing. You've got to realize that you have to operate in those gifts, those areas, not just simply have them. And I broke them down for you just a moment ago. We can know the Word of God and not perform well with it. You can know the Word. We can carry the shield. And I'm breaking it down for you again. We can carry the shield of faith and not operate in faith. You can have salvation and turn away. Or just, have you ever known someone that wants to do just enough to get to heaven? Our main goal is not to see our relatives in heaven. That is not the main goal. It's to serve Him here and then receive our reward there, not here. It's not, it's not that God doesn't bless you here. The same with salvation. We can initially choose to follow God and not do anything with it. If you know known people that God saved, then all of a sudden you meet been in three years later and they're back in the bar or wherever they are. Or maybe just dead in the back of the church? Slumped over just like, is it over yet? No. We are to anticipate. We are to go expecting. I was praying over something just the other day and I said, Lord, I said, if I can't believe for this, how am I going to believe for these other things? And so I continue to stand on that. One right there. Because I know that we grow in the Lord. And God does things we can't see at first, like the tree that Jesus cursed. It's interesting in that scripture where Jesus cursed the tree. It says the tree, he said he he answered the tree. Everything you have will speak to you. Your wallet will speak to you. Your doctor, your symptoms, they will speak to you. And you need to be able to answer. See, that's the problem. We all come to God with all of our problems, but we have no answers when we walk away. We continue year after year with the same questions. We continue year after year asking the same things. I don't know about you folks, but I want to grow. I want to change. I want a testimony. I want to see people get help. I want to be available. But I've got to be willing to walk in the Spirit. I can no longer, listen, I can no longer walk in the flesh. You and I, we had to get past our five senses. If you don't get past your five senses, you're going nowhere. Do you know why? Because love is shut down when you operate in the five senses. And, and operating carnally, which means carne chili, carne, chili carne, chili con carne, chili with meat, you operate to the, in the flesh. That's what carnality means. That's what carnal is. We're supposed to operate in the Spirit. But if we're constantly responding to, and I have to do it all the time. I know you do too. If I'm bleeding for something and that symptom comes back, or something attacks me in that area, or I just feel like overwhelmed, I have to. I must. It is imperative that I immediately go to the Word. I've got to go to the Word. How can you claim a promise if you don't even know what he's promised? Someone may say to you, oh, I have sickness, would you pray for me? Doesn't it say somewhere in the Old New Testament, by his stripes we're healed or something? Folks, that's zero faith with the rim knocked off. You can't operate in faith without knowing. And when you speak negative, after a while, and I've I've said this before, and I'll share it again, because I think it's very essential, quite a revelation. I heard this from someone else, and it's true. If you constantly speak negative, if all that's going to go bad or I can't do this. If you constantly do that, then when you start to read God's Word, you will not trust your own voice speaking God's Word because you're conditioned to that negative and even if you speak God's Word, you can't grasp it because you've heard your voice say the opposite so long. I thought that was really good. We can know truth and ignore it or do nothing with it. Or you can take parts of truth. See, faith, fact, is a culmination of all, faith is a culmination of all the facts. We have some of the facts. God has all of them. And everything God does, everything God gives us comes with a law. Everything. Gravity, easy one. Gravity comes with a law. I don't care how close you walk with God, gravity can kill you if you jump off a building. Everything is a law. His his promises in the New Testament all come with laws. And we're going to talk about the word if I. Okay? So, all of this is because we don't first love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. We all know the love chapter. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. NIV. Doesn't say that we can operate in faith without love. See, that's a misconception. If you read that chapter, it says... If I could speak with the tongues of angels but have not love, I'm like clanging cymbals. It doesn't say I can operate in faith without love. It says, if I could. That's the key. Three times in those two verses, it says, if I, if I, if I. It tells us, if I have faith that can move mountains, do not have love, I am nothing. It says, if I. It's not saying you can or you did. It says, if I could. He's like saying, imagine if you had faith to move a mountain. If you didn't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal. So you had to have love first. And this is the biggest thing missing in the church, is love. Because love has to precede every obedience in our life. All the armor of God the reason why armor doesn't work is because we don't have love first. You put love first, now you can, your salvation can operate. Now you can lift that shield of faith. Now you can resist every fiery dog because now you operate in love. And I've shared this like last week. Without faith it's impossible to please Him, but these three remain, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. He's telling us, you've got to have faith to please him. But if you don't have love, you're just noise. You're noise. You've got to operate in love. And folks, I'm talking about your enemies. I'm talking about people that have done you wrong, and you didn't deserve it, and you were innocent. He says, love them. Love them. Why? Because if they have any hope, it's going to be because they saw Jesus in you. You may be the only one, Linda, they see Jesus in their whole life. You may be the only person. And if you can love them up, I love this wonderful story. I got a chance to, I was privileged to meet uh, Richard Warbrand. And he told a story. Now I've said this before, but it's one of the most wonderful stories I've ever heard. You'll like this. He knew a man that was in prison for Christ. And they got morsels of food, and that was all. And he was trying his best to witness to all the inmates there. He'd give them his food. He would witness to them. And he wasn't seen to get through. But his life was shining, right? One day, one of the prisoners said to him, I've got a question for you. Is any, is they didn't know Jesus. He said, But is he anything like you? And he humbly said, Yes. And this was his response. Then I that I want him. Do you cause people to want to know Jesus? Do you cause people to want to get to know him? Do you cause people to hunger for what you have? Do you have people that like to be around you but they don't know it's Jesus yet? They just know they'd like to be around you? We should be harmless. No one should feel threatened by us at all. The thing that will threaten them is God's word, not us. You walk in the word, you can get around people in different lifestyles. I don't, I'm talking about fellowshipping or going to bars. I'm talking about just working with them. You get around people that are lost in the world in homosexuality, adultery. I mean, you name it. They're lost in this world, and you're loving them. The devil will tell you, well, you're condoning them by doing that. No, no, no. What you're doing is you're giving them a way out. You're giving them a door, an escape to get out of their lifestyle because they saw something in you that we saw in Jesus, and that's our Father. Do people respond? Do you have any testimonies? Folks, if you don't have a fresh testimony in the last week or so, check your records, check your walk, check your, 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 your uh, priorities. You should have a fresh testimony almost every day. Now, I'm not talking about moving mountains every day, <coughs> but somewhere where you were able to act like Jesus in front of somebody. Do you have it? Do you have something recent? then check your priorities, check your schedule, because something's wrong if people are not moved by your life. They're going to be moved one way or the other. In other words, without love, our faith, our ability to speak as angels and gifts of prophecy and have all knowledge is nothing but a noise as a gong or clanging cymbal without love first. You have people that don't like you? I've asked this. It, it's not always because you've done something wrong. It's because you've done it right, and it really stirs that demon on them that's, a, that's, that's trying to get their life. You are that lifesaver for many people. Ephesians 6.10 in the NIV tells us before putting on the whole armor of God, it says one, finally, be strong in the Lord. Two in the power, might of his power. Now, what is that saying? You cannot put on the armor of God until you fulfill these prerequisites. You have to be strong in the Lord. How are you going to be strong in the Lord? You've got to make a decision that this is the route I'm going to go. I'm not going back anymore, I'm not falling back anymore. Uh, As I said last week, someone says, how long do I believe? Well, we're called believers, so I say, until we see the manifestation. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in His power. Now, it's interesting because we're talking about His authority and His power, not yours. And that's a huge part. See, you're going to humble yourself. God does the breaking. But you're the one that has to do the humbling. Right? You're the one that has to decide, I want what God has for me. I don't want what I want anymore. I want His will in my life. I want to follow Him with my life. I want to choose Him every single day. And it's a daily decision. It's not a one-time thing. When you get saved, that's just the beginning. Because then He wants to feed you with the Holy Spirit. might even give you a prayer language. He wants to have full control. And He's a jealous God. You can't have no other gods before him because they will block him out. If we don't, and this is so important, if we don't do this with the armor and put love first and operate in these gifts and not just simply start there and stand, then the devil will come by and he will steal it from you. He will steal and he will drain you dry. And John 10.10 says, He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he come to steal? Your call. Why do you think he wanted the body of Moses? He wants all of you. He wants all. And he'll he'll try to get it one way or another. If you're not sold out, if you're not completely committed, you have left a crack in your armor or one of the pieces off. The Bible says put on the full armor. You can can put on your armor without a shield if you want to. You can pick up your armor without the Word of God if you want to. But God has called us to put on the full armor of God, but we must operate first. And I can't tell you, I cannot tell you how serious this is. We've got to start operating in love. Stop talking. I know someone right now that's a well-known minister that has made a decision that greatly grieved me. But I refuse to tell anybody who he is because it's not my job to tear anybody down or put my hand on a man of God. No one's perfect. You and I are not perfect. So why do we expect everyone else to be perfect? They are growing too. Be merciful. Be kind. See, that's why you need to humble yourself because once you humble yourself, you just are thankful for a crumb here, or a word from God there. You're just thankful for little things. But once we stop being thankful for little things, we've stopped humbling ourselves. Let me say that again. When you stop being appreciative of little things, you've stopped humbling yourself. The greatest leaders have been the greatest servants first. Joseph's a great example. That man was falsely accused up and down the line, all the way through there. How many years, Lord, is he going to? And finally, he refused to, he didn't defend himself before the wife that accused him. He didn't defend himself when they said, he said to the, 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 he he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the cook. He didn't blame them. He, He never once blamed anybody. And in God's timing. Preparing him for such a time as this, he walked into second in authority to the, the the Egyptian Pharaoh, second. Now that was huge, folks, because they were the rulers of the world; they ruled, and he was second. Do you realize that if you simply want, to, if you simply obey God and give Him everything, He will elevate you. Scripture says it; He'll raise you up. Let him do it. Then he can trust you with it. It's time to mature, folks. It's time for us to go home this week. I can't even get people to share my program here in this church. Trying to get the, this is all volunteer work. I work hard for this. And I'm glad to do it and glad to volunteer. It is a great privilege to be a spokesman for the Lord in any way, small or big. But I can't even get this church to share my program to get it out. We're going to have to grow up, folks. We're going to have to 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 get our act together. This church is not going to go anywhere until we decide He's first. And you know what? There's no such thing as a second responder. Remember me saying that? There's no no such thing as close to God, second to God. You're in or out. And if you get on the fence, the devil owns the fence. It's time to get in or out. Stop. Listen, we need to stop making excuses for why we are not doing God's will. Because when we stand before him, we're not going to get an opportunity. He's not going to, he's not going to ask for your excuses. That's not what he's going to do. When we stand before him one day, he's there. We're before the judgment seat. We're not before a committee that's going to vote on anything. He's going to tell us where we are. We're not going to ask Him. This is serious business, folks. Take Pilate, for example. Unless God did a work we don't know about, Pilate's been in hell for a long time already. And he's just started. Now, we live for God because we want to please Him. Heaven is one of the wonderful benefits. So I'm encouraging all of us to be first responders spiritually, how do you do that? You've got to get up in the morning, put on the whole armor of God, that uniform that's God's clothing, every single morning, you've got to start with praise. The more, you'll know you're walking close to Him when most of your prayer life is praise and thanksgiving because you're already confident He's got you covered. You've already gotten that faith, that confidence that he's got everything taken care of. I don't care what you need. My wife and I have been hit with some horrendous bills lately. I mean, just some big stuff. God's faithful. How do I know? Because he says he is. He says in Malachi 3.10, if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, I'll pour out a blessing you can't even contain. And then he says, test me. Only place I know in the Bible, L.A., where he says, test me. Uh, T- prove, let me prove myself to you. He's going about looking for a ways to show himself now. So when he finds someone that's humble enough to get before God and put on their armor every morning, say, so, Lord, I'm a new Christian, or I failed yesterday, I'm starting again today. It's like a diet. If you feel your diet one day, you start the next day. All right, Michelle, you start the next thing. We, we joke about her saying, tomorrow. <laughs> She'll say, I'm, tomorrow, I'm starting tomorrow. So we joke about that. <laughs> uh, but God is preparing you guys for a great journey. Thrills, romance, and adventure. Whatever you dream of, God's is bigger. And He's not going to reveal anything to you that He's not going to provide for. If He tells you something He's going to do, God gave me a business idea. That means God's got this. Do you, when you think about the money that's wasted in this world, have you ever thought of this? I do. Man, if I just had a little bit of that. That was wasted. Well, they don't know where it went. When government says, we don't know what happened to the 13 billion, I'm going, oh, <laughs> Lord. But see, God owns cattle on a thousand hills. What's that saying? God's giving us a number to let us know that it's infinite. He's trying to tell you, He owns cattle on a thousand hills. Why does he say a thousand? It's his way of saying, I'm infinite. That's why he says, forgive someone 70 times 7. He's he's not literally telling you to multiply 70 times 7. Was it 149 or something like that? He's not saying that. You're forgiven. And once they do 150, you don't have to do it anymore. No, he's telling you, always forgive. Always forgive. He's trying to illustrate to us all this and what we need to do. I meant to get into this day and didn't get as far as I wanted to get. But I will say this one thing. I was giving examples of those that are second responders, which is no such thing as a second responder. The fifth or the the eleventh one that I had down here was, we become spectators. Ouch. We become spectators. We're ready to receive if you bring it to my lab. Uh, we're ready to be blessed. Do you know the world loves to be blessed? Do you know the world would love to have God's blessings? Why don't they? Because the price. The price is not very much. He said even a, Jesus even said, even a wayfaring fool can understand, and my yoke is easy. His way isn't hard at all, folks. It's just we've got to get away from this flesh. Remember, as I said earlier, you are coming from a victory, not going to one. You walk in victory. And if I could ever illustrate, I wish I could, how serious it is to realize the authority you have in you. I mean, you have, he says, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, as I am, as I mentioned earlier, so are you in this world. You shall have houses and lands, speak to mountains, raise the dead, do greater things than I did. Folks, he's trying to tell you. He's trying to tell you, you've got all authority when you're saved. So why don't we see it? Because we now have to relinquish this to him so that when we put on that armor, we're hidden in him. The devil doesn't know us from him. When you're allowed to get there where the devil doesn't know you from him, we have examples The demon said to the man, he said, I know who Paul is, and I know who Jesus is. What were they saying? I can't tell him apart from God. And then they beat him up, the demons. You have authority to say, not in my house. You have authority to say, not with my children. You have authority to say, not in my wallet. You had the authority to say, not in my church anymore. No more. All of a sudden, everybody starts moving to the front of the church. You know why? Because they can't get enough fast enough. And they don't want to fight through all the unbelief until it gets to the back of the church. That spirit. Do You don't think the devil comes to church, he knows the Word of God. I like to teach sometimes on the difference between that and in you believe that God raised his son? Yeah. Well, so does the devil. Do you believe that God sent his son as a baby to a virgin? Yeah. Well, the devil believes that. It's not what, it's not that what you believe. It's in what you believe. And we could get into that sometime. Jesus, I want to thank you for the privilege. And it really is, Lord. really is such an honor and I know so little. It was such an honor. I want to thank you. I want to praise you. Lord, I'm seeking for people to miss hell. I'm seeking for people to find healing and rest and peace. I'm seeking for people that want it and everyone that's listening, Father, on delay or in here, I pray that they will grab a hold of Jesus right now and say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you everything. i lay myself at your feet and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain for my salvation. It's all or nothing, Jesus. That's what I want to do, all or nothing. And I'm not, I've not arrived, but that's my goal, all or nothing. Never look back to turn into a pillar of salt. Never to have us thought where you're the fault when you're not. I pray for everyone here, Father, that they be encouraged, lifted, strengthened, that they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, the warmth of the Holy Ghost on their life, and they will say, Lord, thy will be done on earth and not mine. I pray right now, Father, as people are listening live or on delay, that they are choosing Christ, turning around, turning around to go the, to, to the right direction, turning around, to do your will, not their own, anymore. It's not my will anymore, God. It's yours. And may we get into the Word of God, start reading the Word and studying and find out how to walk this out through your example and through your wonderful servants in the Word of God and those that we go to church with. I thank you, Father. I pray that everything I said was taken and received in love and not in a way that was carnal. I didn't mean it that way at all. But that we would heal and hear and obey Father, we bless you and we claim your blessings. I speak your blessings on everybody right now. In the name of Jesus, receive the blessings of God and walk with him. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you.